This podcast is about marshalling and supporting a competition. Many pilots are not aware of the immense amount of background work that goes into a competition before, after and during the competition week. In the UK Championships, we are fortunate to have a dedicated group of volunteers who work tirelessly as a team to make sure the competition works as seamlessly as possible. Working as drivers, retrieve coordinators, meet directors, launching goal marshals, scorers and other roles, these guys give up their holidays to come along, normally without getting paid for the pleasure. They make a huge difference not only to the smooth running of the competition, but also to the safety of the competitors. I was the runner at the PWC in Asia in 2011, and as a comp organiser myself, I've seen firsthand how fortunate we are at the Brits to have these dedicated unsung heroes. It's certainly not like that in all countries and at all levels of competition. For this podcast, I've interviewed Steve Charlesworth, Sarah Frysell, Alex Hatfield, Alan Horsfield, Barbara St. Aubin and Chris Trow, who make up the bulk of the British competition regulars, about what they do and why. Here's Alan. Uh, my name is Alan Horsfield. I'm the Deputy Meet Director and Senior Marshal for the British Paragliding Championship competitions. I'm also the senior coach, chief coach rather, for the Derbyshire Soaring Club. My role as a deputy meet director is really to be able to assist Calvo, who is the meet director, in whatever situation he needs me, uh, especially on takeoff, uh, sometimes to monitor, monitor the task and take in radio messages from the pilots on the safety channel. We have a system whereby they'll call in numbers one, two or three. Uh, if it's a one, everything's fine. If it's a two, we've got to expect that maybe problems with the conditions down the course. If it's a three, then we've seriously got to consider getting the pilots down on the deck as soon as possible. Also, cover for Calvo if he's away, attending a serious incident, for example, or anything else that would take him away from takeoff. You've been involved in the competitions for 17 years. How did you actually get into it? There's the funny side of it. A friend of mine, another legend in the Derbyshire Soaring Club, Duncan Woods, he was marshalling at the time, and he told me that they were actually short of marshals. In fact, there was only one of them. That was Duncan. And uh, there was an advert in, uh, or request in Skywings asking for marshals. And believe it or not, he had to write to, to Steve Senior to apply, <laughs> which I did, and I was accepted. But in those days, we only had two marshals. That was Duncan and myself at the time. But there again, there was, there was less pilots. I think we'd only about 60 pilots. What other changes have you seen in that time? Oh, dear me. There have been so many over the years. For one thing, the tasks were shorter, much shorter. And with no computers, no downloads, no uploads, and I can't remember anybody having a GPS. So what we had in place, we had a large map at headquarters and the pilots came back after the flights and stuck a pin in the map where they allegedly they landed. You can imagine that caused some arguments amongst the other pilots. I'm not saying it was deliberate cheating but uh, it was very close to it sometimes. They also, the pilots had to take photographs by hand with the camera and they had to be in what they call in sector for the uh, next turn point. Of course there were no mobile phones then. The radio setup was next to useless in alpine conditions, uh, with no retrieved buses, like I said, with only two marshals. Uh, the two marshals had, uh, we were really run about. First of all, we had to attend takeoff, 
and then we went to a, another location with a white length of material about 50 meters long and about a meter wide that we had to lay out in a cross in the shape of a cross and as soon as the time came that the race was to start we opened that uh, cross into an arrow pointing towards the first uh, turn point when most of the pilots had gone through we then had to uplift this goal line and go to the field that we've been given the landing field with the coordinates we've been given now this wasn't always a place we could land pilots so we had to find the nearest field that was suitable to land pilots in and of course we had to go and ask the landowner and the farmer permission to do that which doesn't exist these days when I started it was sort of a, a weekend's holiday for the pilots in some respects it was much more relaxed everyone had a laugh and a joke and it wasn't I'm sure the pilots flew seriously but it wasn't as serious as the competitions are today uh, we still have a lot of fun today but it, it's very very serious with the introduction of so many foreign pilots that attend our competitions. And the reason they attend our competitions, we like to think, is because it's one of the best-run competitions in, in Europe, so I've been told, speaking to foreign pilots. And that's why we have so many every year, every year. and the same faces as well. My name's Steve Charlesworth. I've been flying for about six years. I got into marshalling through the BP Cup probably about three years ago. Uh, the BP Cup was short of a driver, so I volunteered for that, and that sort of led me into marshalling at the British Open. The attraction was that quite a few of my friends were in the BP Cup. I wanted to have a look at it from a non-flying side to start, to see if I was interested in flying it. And because... I was sort of technically unemployed at the time. Uh, I'd got the time to do it, and I wanted to take some time out of paragliding. They needed a driver, it just all seemed to fit hand in hand. So what's your role at the competitions then? What do you do? I work as a marshal, driver, uh, dog's body, bottle washer, sign putter-upper, just generally there for any assistance that anybody needs. Uh, retrieves can get a bit complicated, it's sometimes a case of manoeuvring yourself around a situation to actually get to the pilot. And I always like to get to the pilot rather than have them walk out because it can be hard work, having done it myself. My name is Alex Hatfield and I got my uh, club pilot a few years ago um, after getting into Marshall. Uh, it varies depending on the competitions. Um, I've been to so many different comps. Um, from the Nationals and the Cup, uh, the Nordics, the Dutch, uh, various comps. So it really just depends on the size of the competition, the size, you know, the number of pilots that are actually attending. It can, the job that entails sort of helping set up the base and the equipment before the competition, helping at registration, distributing live trackers on launch, assisting on launch. And a lot of the job is actually helping the pilots get back down, um, get back to base and sort of downloaded safely. Although um, the British Paragliding Cup is slightly different in that we have very few marshals and, and it's sort of a, you have to do pretty much everything. I sometimes work as a retrieve driver. That does depend on whether or not we have separate retrieve drivers as well as marshals. But it's just doing anything from helping run the competition to run smoothly, making, you know, anything from making and distributing party tickets to sort of the bigger, sort of the bigger picture. Yeah, you often get roped in to be the social secretary, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you could call it that. Yeah, a, a dog's body I like to call it sometimes, but uh, 
if somebody if somebody needs something doing, then they'll generally just come and ask, and, and if I'm not doing it, I'll, I'll try and help out. Well, I'll never ever forget the famous sports day you put together in Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a bit of a joint effort, do you? Think, but, uh... It's legendary now. <laughs> And if it's not legendary amongst other people, I will make it so by just banging on about how brilliant it was at every competition that I go to in future. It's awesome, and I think it needs to be actually rolled into a specific day of non-flying that, uh, you know, we do have the obligatory uh, sports day, which would be very good fun. Very good team building for everybody, because you're also competitive pilots. Yeah. Okay, so how did you actually get into marshalling? I used to be a graphic designer. In 2003, I wasn't very happy with my job. Uh, I left and went travelling with my boyfriend at the time, who was a paraglider pilot. I ended up helping out at the Blerio Cup, and I got asked to retrieve throughout the following year. So that was 2004 was my first competition, and that was in Castor Handersos. I don't know if I did well or I did badly, because I don't know if I was promoted or demoted uh, to being a marshal. I think it was the following year was my first comp. And since then, I've worked for, I must have done about up to 50 or 60 comps, I think now, over the last few years. But it just depends on my work because I work full time and study as, as well so I can't do as many comps as I like I don't get to the cop as much as I'd like to That's a huge investment of time that you've put in you know voluntarily over the years I mean 50 comps is a lot of holidays that you've given up to, to make competitions happen for other people Yeah um, it is a lot but it, I know we're all volunteers but if we didn't enjoy it we wouldn't do it because you can't you can't do it for the money because there isn't any money in it so it's because there's a good team of people. Um, it's changed over the years since I've been doing it from quite a very small team uh, of about four people up to quite quite a big number nowadays. Um, but it's it's a great group of guys running the comp, and it's a great group of pilots. And basically, going back to do the comp each year, it's like going to see a big group of friends, and it is very sociable. And I, I think the comp this year, the, the atmosphere has been really, really good and really supportive of, of new pilots as well coming through. And it's been great to be a part of that. My name is Barbara St. Auburn. I actually started flying in the late 1980s. Most of the time I've flown purely for enjoyment, but over the years have entered some of the comps, the BP Cups and a few rounds of the Nationals as they were known then. I haven't done a lot of flying recently, mostly because I've lost my confidence, but I do hope to get out again next year if the weather conditions improve. How long have you been marshalling? This is the third year that I've been marshalling formally. What's your job at the competitions? There's several things that I do. Um, we all help set up the HQ at, at, the, uh, at the beginning of the comp. And on a daily basis, I go up to launch, help hand out the trackers and, and basically help pilots launch. And when everybody's launched, I go back down to HQ and download people's track logs when they come in at the end of the flights. Yeah, I mean, having seen download, you're dealing with multiple instruments. You know, everybody seems to have a different GPS to download. There's a little bit of training involved, but if you're fairly familiar with computers and a little familiar with GPSs, that certainly helps. I... Don't do it completely on my own. Um, Calvo's often around to, to help out if I, there are any difficulties. And definitely there are some GPSs that, that have some strange quirks. And occasionally the computer will have some strange quirks. 
but I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing how people have got on, chatting to them about their flights, although that's not always possible. Sometimes when we uh, we get big queues of pilots coming through and then it, there's quite a buzz really just seeing that we can get through people as quickly as possible. So I actually really enjoy doing it. I was going to say, you, you get to see pilots at either their happiest or their most miserable, don't you? Well, I suppose I do. Um, and generally, if people haven't had a great flight, then I try and console them a little bit. You know, oh, well, you know, hope it's better tomorrow. Or, oh, well, never mind, you've got time to go and have another beer in the in the bar or something like that. Um, and it's nice to chat to them to, to see, you know, how the flight actually went and yes, when people do well, you know, I'm really, really pleased for them. So, yeah, it's nice. It's good. Well, you've certainly seen my smiling face on a couple of occasions. When I've <laughs> That's true. Like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you feel for people when they just miss it. You really do. Mm. Although generally they've they've got an inkling before they download. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes people, you know, make some silly mistake and are completely gutted and, and you do really feel for people then. Okay, so how did you actually get into the marshalling in the first place? I've been around the comp scene for a long time. Simon used to go into the, the BP Cup rounds in the UK and when I wasn't in the competitions, I would often be at the competitions and up on launch. And if I was on launch, then I would generally help people basically uh, informally act as a marshal, you know, just help the people around me. So I always liked um, the buzz of being at the competition and, you know, it's just seeing everybody off the hill. And I was at a BP Cup round in Snowdonia so it must have been four years ago now and uh, Alan was there and I was chatting to him and said oh I wouldn't mind helping out at the open sometime Calvo was there he went off and spoke to Calvo and five minutes later I was on board so (laughs) that was it really fortuitous little conversation then (laughs) here's Chris Troll who developed the fast retrieve system now used in all paragliding world cups and at the British championships Okay, well, I began um, seven years ago, I think, in Montenegro in Portugal as a marshal. And after the first comp, then went on to being a retrieve driver, which at the time involved being out until three, four in the morning most nights. Um, people were using maps with pins, little model vehicles. Uh, all the incoming SMSs were decoded manually, and then people had to actually find the coordinates on a map. So the whole thing took a long time, uh, and I didn't like it. <laughs> so I said to Calvo, there has to be a better way. And Calvo, being Calvo, said, okay, smart ass, go design one. Uh, so I did. And the idea behind it really was that we centralised all the information, um, all of the incoming pilot messages are processed as far as possible automatically, uh, which speeds up the whole process of locating people. And then we started building in things like extra safeguards, um, status monitors, so that we know when somebody's on the ground, when they're on a vehicle. You've integrated it with live tracking now as well, haven't you? I have now, yes. Um, Live tracking actually has completely changed the way that we do everything. I think the first time we used it, which was in uh, drama in Greece in the World Cup, we just looked at each other and said, well, there is no going back now. This is definitely the way forward. And it does make a big difference to what we can do. It it increases safety. It reduces retrieve times. So it's a good thing all around. My name is Sarah Freisel. 
I um I got into this by knowing Chris, and I remember you know listening for hours and hours and hours over time with Chris talking about fast retrieve because he was in developing it at the time. He wanted a driving team, and I was like, I want to be one of the drivers. I really want to be one of the drivers. My first comp was Slovenia, and then San Andre when I drove there. You've been a driver, but you also do other things at the comp. So tell me what what your normal day at a competition would be like. Uh, Well, the normal day at a competition is going up to launch. Um, If I'm driving, I drive pilots up. It's marshalling at the top. I go up there, I I shoo them off the mountain, (laughs) and then I go and retrieve them when they get landed in the wrong place. I also hand out the trackers, which is the devices which keeps track of where they are and works with fast retrieve so that we can then find them and retrieve them. I mean, the handing out is relatively simple, but if there's a problem, for example, somebody's tracker's not working, so I have to change it. Each tracker has a SIM code, which has to be matched on the computer with the barcode on the tracker, plus it has to then be matched with the pilot number. And all this is within fast retrieve, so that, again, as soon as a pilot lands, the tracker's found them, it's all on fast retrieve. So basically, I mean, all the trackers have to be charged and then they're handed out. Often the night before registration, you're there for hours, matching all the numbers, changing all the numbers, putting it all in the system, aren't you? When we first do a competition, the tracker numbers have to be matched on the computer to the pilot numbers. But then they all have to be charged. They're on this these charging boards. We used to have 150 trackers and 60-odd charging leads and all these charging leads had to be plugged into extension leads. And they were all a right faff because as soon as one charged, you take it off and replace it with another one. So sometimes you're doing two or three or even four charges per night. And on occasion in the past, I used to be there, or Cabo, for example, would be there at two o'clock in the morning doing the last change of the trackers, last charge. Now we have a system devised by Rick and Cabo, which is two boards plugged into one charger and the charges now sit very neatly in this board. So at the beginning of a competition, having registered all the pilots, we then match the pilot numbers to the trackers, and then the trackers all have to be labelled with the pilot number, matching the barcode on the tracker, and then the board itself all has to be labelled. So my time at registration quite late into the evening is probably sitting there cutting out little bits of numbers and sticking them all on. You've also been the goal marshal, haven't you? Oh, I have. I love being there. The excitement when they land, especially the first guys in. The, just the fact sometimes that some of them, especially the more the less confident pilots, the ones who haven't competed before or don't feel they're doing very well, I love it when they come to goal because they stand there and they just absolutely beam. You know, they, I've done it, they go and often get a big hug. But also being goal marshal, of course, you're counting them in. And that means that, again, I'm reporting back to Chris with the pilot numbers and that all goes into retrieve. Here's Alan again to explain what the job involves. That's another part of the, uh, the job as a marshal. Uh, to start with, we normally arrive on the Friday evening or the early Saturday morning. because the comp starts on the Sunday. And we've so much work to do before then, setting up the organisation, uh, putting all the sponsors... Uh, adverts out. This is very important. We must, you know, keep well in with the sponsors and setting up all the equipment in the headquarters, the radio equipment, the computers and all the rest of it. And also we have uh, 
a real clever guy. We call him Radio Rick. He's our radio expert. And uh, Rick and myself usually sort out all the radios, make sure they're put on charge. And the, the other job that we have is setting up the uh, remote antenna. It's usually on a mountain top for obvious reasons. And this is what has made the uh, radio connections 200% better than they used to be when I started. All this involves quite a lot of work uh, to make sure it's ready for the comp when the comp starts. And all this work behind the scenes, so to speak, is to ensure that the comp runs to the highest level the pilots and the rest of the organisation have come to expect. Here's Sarah and Chris explaining how their days and their nights usually pan out. Because I think registration is often the hardest day because we are absolutely up there till really quite late. I mean, everyone else has arrived, they've gone off to party together and all that sort of stuff. And we're still in, in HQ, sorting out the paperwork, sorting out the identity cards. Like I say, I'm sticking pieces of paper onto them because I can't do my bit with the numbering until every single pilot is registered. Um, things like that. So, yeah, we're there quite late still on the first day. And then, of course, first briefing is always really then early. It's always before. really early. You know, and Calvo, the night before, we sort of say, oh, well, don't worry about it. We'll turn up at nine o'clock. And then they suddenly turn around and say, no, briefing's at nine o'clock. I want you at eight o'clock. And we're like, no. <laughs> and then as the week goes on, we're thinking, oh, it's fine. It'll be easier so we can get up a bit later and go in later. But no, it seems to get earlier every week, every day, which is really funny. The one thing we don't do is we don't get to drink or eat until every single pilot is accounted for. And that means on a bus and being brought home. And until then, we have to stay there. So if you've got a pilot who's been sitting in the pub for four hours with their tracker, we cannot finish until that tracker arrives with us. And day will normally begin, obviously, with a pilot briefing, uh, which I'm not normally at. I'm usually getting things ready for the day's live tracking and uh, making sure that everything's ready so that as soon as we get a task, there's no um, there's no delay in getting that on the internet. Obviously, with live tracking now, everything has to be done instantly. Otherwise, people say, well, you know, we missed the start of the race. We didn't know what the task was. So my typical morning will be clearing down all the systems from the day before and then just ensuring that everything's set and ready for when the the message comes in from um, from takeoff as to what the task is. Obviously, I've got no idea what a task will be until it's been set on takeoff. So for anybody that's not actually used to paragliding competitions, we, we do get people who come into the office and they say, what will the race be today? And it's like, I have no idea. The task is then set up by an SMS which comes in from normally Ulrich um, or myself in some cases if he's not there. That's interpreted by all of the systems. Fast Retrieve passes it across to the scoring system, which is CompCheck. Uh, it's then set up automatically in uh, Leonardo, which is the live tracking system, and all the various maps, etc., are exported. That normally takes about four seconds from when we receive that text. Uh, and then it's a matter, really, of monitoring all the live trackers to make sure that everybody's in reasonable condition, that there aren't people who maybe have a problem on takeoff, um, perhaps not being seen by the staff there. Uh, and then it's sit back, really, and watch the race. Then as soon as somebody lands, all hell break loose. <laughs> the landing is an interesting one because we do get pilots who assume that uh, we can just track them from their live tracker. In fact, I've had texts in the past saying, I've landed, find me with my live tracker. That's unfortunately not always that easy. The things can stop working while you're in flight. Uh, we might find that the last fix is 20 minutes ago, in which case you could be half a mile from where you landed. 
Um, so we always encourage everybody to send in their, their landed position. Uh, now, I know that's a bit unpopular with some pilots, but it's an added safety feature, so I'm never going to stop asking for it. And it, it will get you picked up quicker. You will be included in the, the whole scheme of things if you can just follow this one simple rule. Uh, we do get interesting ones. I've had pilots texting coordinates that are 40 miles from where their life tracker says they are. Once the, the retrieve starts, you guys are really busy because you're obviously coordinating between the drivers and the pilots and trying to make optimum use of the resources. So, yeah. You know, you don't want to have one car only picking up one pilot. And We have situations sometimes where it's impossible to send enough suits to some pilots and then you're driving past them with a bus full of people and you know, they quite rightly, when they get back to base, say, what, you know, what happened? But as you say, we've got a limited number of suits. We've never got... In most comps, we haven't got as many seats as we have pilots because we're hoping that 50% of the field will make goal. It gets more difficult with the remote goal as well. But for people that do see vehicles driving past full up or, or even empty, there is usually a, a larger plan going on. I've obviously watched you... Um... Scrambling the hair out. <laughs> I mean, it gets pretty stressful for you guys. Recently, certainly, people now have also got the opportunity to call you up on the radio to say... I'm in this place, could you just give me a heads up on Google Earth as to which way to walk to get out of the field or to get to the nearest road where I could be picked up more easily? So you're also there giving advice to people. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Pedro Bernardo really was the first time we were able to do that. Um, that's because I've now got the uh, the help of Ruth running pretty much all of the uh, the standard retrieval stuff, which means that I'm not actually sitting there processing all the SMSs coming in, which gives me a bit of time then to say, okay, I can spare you 20 seconds, let's have a look, see where you are. That only really works in, in something like the British, where all the competitors speak English. Uh, but it is an extra service that is quite good fun to supply, really. And apparently in Pedro, the retrieval radio was one of the highlights of the whole con. It was. <laughs> So Ruth and you are, are you know, working away and, and it, I mean, I've seen it. It can become very stressful when suddenly, you know, like, for example, in a stop task, but everybody's landed pretty much simultaneously and you then, you know, you're not even getting a chance to sort of stagger the retrieves. You just have to... Well, that's you know, it. Like so 100 pilots. Yeah, you've got 140 people on the floor uh, and none of them anywhere near HQ. That's, that's when you find out whether you're any good at juggling trucks. Yeah, that's that's when you start to stretch yourself a bit. But most of the time, it's it's reasonably relaxed until something goes wrong. People who've been in comps for more than about sort of six or seven years, and they remember what it used to be like. Um, some of the newer pilots now obviously never saw the old days, uh, and they're the ones who tend to say, oh, "I waited two hours for a retrieve." <laughs> really? <laughs> that's pretty good, really. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're 50 kilometres away and you didn't get to goal and stuff, yeah. yeah or you, know. you went down the wrong valley or technology is improving everything. Uh, and then along came GPSs. And now along came live trackers. And now we're looking at the next wave of live trackers probably will be good enough to do live scoring from. The latest batch of live trackers, which are not the units we're using now, um, but they store and buffer one-second intervals, which can then be streamed out. At, uh, you know, whenever they want to, which means that the scoring system is getting as good a fix as from the pilot's own GPS. Eventually, the probability is we'll actually have live scoring. By the time you land in goal, you will know exactly what your position is. What time do you normally get to bed at a competition? That can vary. Normally, the early days of a comp will be the late nights if they're going to be. Registration night can be quite a late one. Uh, especially if we have problems with, in particular, new GPSs on the market. So people have turned up at a comp, they've just bought the, the latest thing from an unmentioned manufacturer, uh, and then we find that there's a problem because 
we've never seen this unit before, so CompCheck doesn't actually have the programming necessary to upload them. We actually had a situation in the World Cup in Portugal this year where we were there until, I think it was about four in the morning, and it took us until three in the morning to find the solution and then just an hour to upload them all. Later in the comp, generally, once we've got everything ticking along nicely, we've got the staff working the way we want them to, etc., an average day will normally finish around 9.30, 10 o'clock. So it's not usually too bad now. That's a big difference to the olden days. Yeah, I can remember driving back into Piedra Hita at 25 past four in the morning uh, to find Calvo had actually kept a bar open for me, which I thought was rather nice of him. That's jolly good. It's good, it's good to look after the, the guys who, you know... You yeah, make it all happen. Absolutely. Uh, and the only other times, obviously, we, we might end up with a very late night or if we have um, a problem with the retrieve or if we have an incident with the pilot. But then, unfortunately, that's, that's the, the bad side of the job. If something like that happens, you have to stay there until it's resolved. What do you think makes a good marshal? What are the characteristics that a person would have to have? The qualities needed in a marshal, in, in my opinion, first of all, they must have paragliding experience. I think that goes without saying... Preferably pilot, obviously. They must also be able to work as part of the team and sometimes be prepared to put in long hours, which we do occasionally. And again, sometimes I have to wait for, for the next meal. Sometimes we do go hungry, but uh, we manage to get fed eventually. I think the latest evening meal I've had was in Pedrita a number of years ago. And fortunately, Calvo had set up a pizza place to, uh, I think it was two o'clock in the morning. We were having pizzas. Yeah, they've got a put up with these long hours and waiting for meals, and still be enthusiastic. Plus, you've got to be able to socialise at the end of the day. That helps. I think you know that, Judith. Last experience. Well, so- socialising isn't usually a problem that I have. Well, we don't. We, we've got to do. You know, it takes the stress and tension and, and everything out, else out from the day. Uh, the other thing about the qualities looking for in Marshall is not to get stressed in sometimes difficult situations. The other thing, of course, is you you must have a good sense of humour. Without a sense of humour in this job, you won't get on, that's for sure, because the people that we have, the regulars that we have at the moment, they're so funny. They they make the job uh, a pleasure. I think a good marshal needs to be friendly for a start. You've got to be helpful to the pilots, because quite often they are stressed out about things. You've got to be able to handle the wings on takeoff. Um, be a calming influence. I think when you know launches almost don't go to plan, people get dragged around a bit, and of course that just winds them up even more. But if you can calm them down and you know make sure they get off cleanly, that's I think that's the job we do really. Here's Barbara again. I think it helps if you paraglide. I suspect it's not essential, but I think it helps because I think you have bit of an understanding of how people might be feeling and also a little bit of an understanding about the wings and what the situation is like on takeoff. I think that you need to be fairly upbeat in nature. I think you need to be fairly patient as well because pilots sometimes can, can be quite nervous and quite competitive. So on launch, you have to sometimes judge when to help and and when to step back not everybody wants to be helped all the time I always tend to ask and I tend to 
check that you know they've got the brakes in the hand and things like that just just things that you you know after a while you know and you'll get to know the pilots you'll know some pilots who just absolutely don't want help but then you'll see occasionally that something will have happened somebody will have you know dragged a wing across them or and and they actually will appreciate some help whereas you know 99% of the time they wouldn't so it's it's kind of being a bit observant and making those judgment calls patience is really quite important if we're relaxed, the marshals, because we're the ones, in a way, helping remove the stress from the actual launch, from the competition nerves. And if we can be there to, to remove that stress for you, it's even better. So, yeah, having a sense of humour is a really good thing. <laughs> and this is what Alex had to add. Well, like I said, you can't be in it for the money because there isn't any, although you will get loads of beers bought for you if that's if that's what you want because uh people are always so grateful to you getting them back or down safely or or helping out or just doing some daft little thing that you don't really notice and, and has made a difference to their day but you do need to be dedicated because i don't get that much annual leave and it does take up a lot of my time i think a knowledge of flying is a massive benefit um, when i came into the sport i had no knowledge of it but basically there were so few marshals i think they were desperate and that's why i got asked and when i learned to paraglide I felt I had a greater understanding of how to assist on launch and like how the pilots feel before they take off. I also think you've got to be versatile because, you know, you need to be a good driver if you can, especially if you're doing retrieves, because you need to be able to get down the rutted tracks that suddenly stop and you have to reverse back up them for a, for a mile or more and drive it through rivers. I mean, fast-flowing rivers, although we would never tell Hertz or Europe car that. <laughs> and above all, you have to have a sense of humour because people are really stressed on launch. They can bite your head off, and, and you know you've got to try and just just have a laugh because we're all doing it because we want to, you know. But much as it's hard work, it, it's amazing, and we wouldn't do it if we didn't want to. And finally, I asked Stephen Ciro why they give up their time and holidays to be marshals. I think it's a good spectacle. It's a good show to go and watch see competition pilots flying is totally different to the flying I do uh, you get to see different sights you pick things up I learn stuff while I'm there that I can use talking to much better pilots than myself and you've got the friendship of people there that you know and you know there's a camaraderie and the uh, the social scene and partying as well so you know it's it's a complete package really yeah, it's hard work. Nobody should come along and think it's going to be a holiday because it is hard work. It's long hours. And if you're driving, it can be, you know, very long days. Average day, I suppose, we start at 7 in the morning. Sometimes we don't finish till 11 at night, sometimes 12. But it's, it's always pleasurable. I mean, to see people fly and do what they want to do, even if they don't get to goal, you know, sometimes they get the, the PBs out of it and it's absolutely brilliant to see. That's my enjoyment. But also to see your friends get into goal. That's that I get a big buzz out of that. That's it really. When when they get into goal, that is brilliant. Because you know, there's loads of people doing it and loads of people it's my friends, but when they get into goal, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's that I love it. My absolute favourite site is especially when everyone has gone up at the same time, because some launches can take forever. And some launches can be really, really quick. And when they're really quick, then you've got all the pilots are literally right in front of you at your eye level. 
And they're there, they're dangling like dandelion seeds, coloured dandelion seeds right in front of you. And I just love the way they float off. And it's such an incredibly beautiful sight. And from my point of view, you're up there in the sky, you've got them all around you. But from my point of view on the ground, how many people on this earth get to see something as incredible as that? And I love it. Absolutely love it. Thanks to all the guys for sharing their thoughts. If you've ever considered becoming a marshal or driver, do approach your national or local competition organisers. They'll be thrilled to hear from you. And if you're a competitor listening to this podcast, please do feel free to buy your marshals a beer at the next event you attend. They certainly deserve it. If you enjoy our podcasts, webcasts and articles on the paraglider, please consider making a donation to support us with our costs for hosting and also to support us in making great new resources. We've got lots of ideas for new podcasts, webcasts and articles and we'd be happy to produce them, but we need your support. You can find the donate button on any of the podcast pages on the paraglider.com as well as on the main index page. Thank you.